Mindless Can, the podcast, with radio personality Jane Lindley Thomas and psychologist Paul Bushel. Because every act of kindness, no matter how big or small, can change lives. In this series, Jane and Paul hope to enrich your life by giving you practical tools on how to be kinder in your relationships with yourself, with those around you, at home, work, and in your community. So a very good morning and uh, welcome to uh, the Kindness Can podcast uh, this morning. Good morning, Paulie. Uh, good morning, Jane. Good morning to everyone who is joining us and good morning to you, our listener of the Kindness Can podcast. So this time last week, I think it's fair to say that we were literally, I know I've used the term before, but we were in the eye of the storm. I think um, if I think back to last week, Tuesday, uh, Monday had shocked me to my core. I was in a state of disbelief. And then Tuesday came and it was just like an added slap on the already overwhelming state of what was going on. And I look at myself a week later, I feel really, really tired. Uh, And it seems that the more I speak to people, uh, that is the overriding emotion that keeps coming up. Simple things like not being able to remember my ID number, but like really not being able to remember my ID number. Or continually having to look at my calendar on my phone because I don't know what day it is. And I mean that three or four times in the day. I'm like, what day is it? I don't know what day it is. It's almost like my headspace has gone to scrambled eggs. Yeah. So the really super technical term for that is is brain fog. Uh, I think many of us right now will be experiencing feelings of confusion uh, feelings of just being thick in our heads, uh, foggy. Um, yeah, not being able to remember stuff that we would have usually just taken for granted. Um, and I think, Jane, it's it's more than likely as a result of processing a whole lot of emotions. So that takes energy. Uh, and maybe that sounds like a weird thing for many of us to to hear, especially if you're hearing it for the first time. But Processing emotion, making sense of our feelings uh, takes conscious effort uh, and our brain and our body has to work through those different feelings to, to get on top of them, to make sense of them. And that's, that can be really, really tiring. I know for a lot of uh, people and families and businesses and schools at the moment, we're also trying to work out what to do next, what feels right, what are we supposed to do in this kind of situation? This is all so unprecedented. Uh, There's no rule book for this. We've we've never gone through this kind of experience before. And I'm talking about COVID and a whole bunch of, of really intense violence. This is all so new. And when I speak to, to people and families at the moment, they're saying things like, Should I do this or shouldn't I do that? Should I send my kids to school or shouldn't I? Should I be going to the shops? Should I stand in the queue or shouldn't I stand in the queue? Is this the morally right thing to do? How should I respond in this moment? Mm. There are so many questions Mm. uh, in this moment, practical questions. And I think trying to make sense of those and do the right thing is exhausting. I mean, we spoke about it yesterday or maybe it was the day before. I don't know what day it is. (laughs) About how... Putting an infrastructure of routine is really important to help us um, navigate. Um, So for me today, my children are all in their pajamas eating cereal downstairs at 10 past nine. Okay. And for other parents who I've spoken to this morning, their children are sitting in front of a screen and they are now trying to gear up 
to get into some sort of online schooling space. And I spoke to her mom this morning and she was just like, I, I didn't even know. I, I she didn't even put a sentence together because it sounded like her words couldn't come out correctly. But for parents that are sitting down trying to get into the academic side of stuff, I mean, that just also feels like a bridge too far for me personally right now. Well, I think routine and consistency and predictability are important ingredients now. So we should be trying to do that as much as we can. Having said that, self, having said that, the overarching way of going into this experience is trying to be as accepting and as non-judging of yourself in this moment as possible. We've all got to just try our best. Uh, And sometimes we're going to get it right. And sometimes we're not going to get it right. So if you are managing families at home, uh, try to get into that routine. But when things slip or things don't go according to plan, don't allow the sort of guilt and shame uh, and judgment to kick into that moment because that only feeds into, okay, uh, the brain's critical processes right now that are activating fight or flight type responses. When we activate a more forgiving, accepting, non-judgmental voice, we can activate the parts of our brain which are compassionate uh, in this moment. Our brain has the capacity to be incredibly compassionate. We know that because we see all the kindness that's happening around us in this moment. Take some of that kindness and apply it to you in this moment. So it almost sounds like you're giving us permission or I'm giving myself permission to lower the bar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I think we're in a process which will have different phases to it. Uh, and so in these initial days after the traumatic event, uh, I think we can give ourselves permission to, to let certain things slip or slide. Uh, it doesn't mean that we are abandoning our values doesn't mean that we are abandoning uh, the routines and things that we hold valuable in our life. We can get to those in the days to come. Mm. I mean, yesterday I showed up in a beautiful sunny dress and today I've done it again because I am on a mission to tell my brain that that dopamine dressing side of me of like uh, celebrating the love and life that I have inside of my body, regardless of, I mean, I walked downstairs and everyone's like, where are you going? I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm, I'm just dressing up today because I feel like that's something I have control over. And who would have known that that sunny dress that I was wearing yesterday would see me at a hospital getting my first of two vaccination jabs? Lucky I dressed up for the occasion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think, it, I think it's very, um, it can sound strange sometimes, but we can trick our brain. We can trick our brain to activate other parts which can be very soothing and compassionate and useful in these kinds of moments. And I think, yeah, showing up, uh, getting dressed, putting on that lipstick, arriving at work and and engaging in those routines sends a message to our brain that we are safe uh, and that everything is going to be uh, okay. At the same time, you know, you and I have been chatting with some schools and and we, we mentioned in the podcast yesterday, but it's totally worth mentioning again that if you are managing kids arriving back at school today, whether you are the teacher or the parent uh, or the learner for that matter, it's not, it's not the time to be worrying about calculus uh, or the curriculum. It's a time to be holding one another and making space uh, for just yeah, being there for, for one another. And that's, that applies for if you're arriving at work today as well. 
Yeah, I mean, my niece and nephew start their online schooling today. And I was saying this morning, just by sitting in front of that computer screen, just by showing up on your little chair and looking into that camera um, shows courage. Uh, and I know that the teachers are nervous going in. I know that the parents are nervous going in. And I know that the kids are just like, what? I can't eat cereal at 10 o'clock in the morning in my jam jams. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, fatigue at, at, at the moment. Um, so if we go back a, a week uh, for, for many communities, uh, I know some communities are still feeling like they are in the eye of the storm and we make space for them uh, and we send them so much light and courage uh, and hopefully support from people who can help them in, in this moment. But when we are confronted by something that our brain interprets as threatening, our adrenal glands, okay, which are glands sort of around our kidney area, they release hormones like adrenaline and cortisol into our systems, which activates the fight or flight response. It's your body's really a vital defense mechanism to keep you safe. And, and in those moments, okay, um, your heart rate starts to increase, your breathing starts to become more short and intentional, uh, your hands start to feel a bit sweaty. Uh, your, your body temperature starts to in increase, okay? Other interesting things start to happen as well, like your, your pain threshold uh, increases. So you can take more pain in those moments. Uh, you, people report feeling an increased strength in those moments. Your body really, really activates your ability to fight, um, mm -hmm. and which is really useful if you have to run or you have to fight. But there's almost a hangover to that uh, where those, those, those hormones hang around for, for a bit and they course through our system in the days to, to follow. And that can cause a, a fatigue or a sense of fatigue in our body, that brain fog we were talking about earlier. It can leave people feeling jittery. Uh, it can affect our sleep. So people re report having more insomnia. Um, yeah, poor mood regulation. We become a little bit irritable. Uh, we start to have big reactions to things that were in the past small. So those are all things just to be conscious of and to look out for uh, in the days following uh, a traumatic exposure. And it, it's very, very normal. And so long as we make space for it, so long as we talk about the incident, uh, we use our breathing, we use our visualizations, we calm ourselves down uh, we use our dressing up and showing up. We use our consistency and predictability to kind of send a message back to our body that we are safe. That will all start to decrease. And those side effects should naturally start to, to decrease. We can help ourselves with the fatigue specifically by, by resting. Uh, when you feel tired, take a rest. Move slowly uh, over the course of the next couple of days and try to get uh, as much sleep as you can. I know for myself personally, uh, when I'm feeling anxious or stressed or I'm in that sort of zone, I fight my sleep, which is such mm -hmm. a, a weird thing to do. So I'll end up watching TV until later, or I end up being on my phone till later, more than likely watching things that only send a message to my brain that the world is scary. Uh, I've got to stop watching you know, sort of crime dramas at 11 o'clock at night, right? Pushing uh, the breeze. So, yeah, so really, really trying to, to put your phone away, turn the TV off and put your head on that pillow and try get some sleep. 
your body will also in moments like this start to crave uh, food and drinks, which, which give you energy, which prop you up. So you're going to gravitate towards sugary drinks and caffeine, uh, maybe even alcohol. And I want you to watch out for that because they, they, they boost our system for a while, but they can drop us off really, really quickly as well. And that can leave us feeling uh, more depleted. So just being conscious of gravitating to water, uh, to non-processed foods, uh, boost your vitamins uh, at the moment, just as a way of, of nurturing your, your system uh, in, in the here and now. And over the course of the next few weeks, you should start to notice your system stepping out of this. Mm-hmm. If you're noticing that over, yeah, in a month's time, okay, that you're still feeling jittery, brain foggy, you're struggling with your sleep, you're struggling to regulate uh, your mood, that could be a really, really good time if you haven't already to reach out to a professional uh, and, and see how they can support you through that. Making notes here. Um, last night was the first night I actually slept um, in a week properly. And by that I mean in bed by a reasonable hour. So my head on my pillow by nine and woke up at half past seven. Whereas before this, uh, I get into bed at 11 and play on my phone and in inverted commas until quarter to one and then get up all the way through the night and wake up feeling stunned. Um, so it's almost like I'm so exhausted, but I can't sleep. So it's not even like I'm going to say I'm going to push on through this and I've got other things to distract myself with. My head actually wouldn't allow me to just rest. And I don't know if it was because Mikey was at home last night and he wasn't patrolling that I had that sense of safety that I could let my guard down and I could just actually take my foot off the gas. Yeah, you may have noticed myself, what I keep doing is I wake up in the night and then I go onto my community chat group uh, and, and I, and I want to see what's happening there. And of course, that makes perfect sense. Uh, my brain is probably waking me up and now I'm getting into a bit of a habit of, of doing it and it becomes a bit of a crutch. It's, it's almost mm-hmm. like a, uh, when I do it, it makes me feel safe that I've checked and everything seems calm uh, out mm-hmm. there. And I, I can't judge myself for that because what we have been through was incredibly threatening and scary. That's very understandable. But when you've got to break that, that habit, um, unless it feels essential, uh, break that habit of when you wake up, instead of gravitating straight for the, the phone, break that cycle by closing your eyes, focusing on your breathing, and using affirmations uh, that you can send back to your brain. Something along the lines of, I'm safe in this moment, or I've done everything I can to make myself safe uh, in this moment and focusing on, on your breath. Um, you know, the whole idea of counting sheep, which I find so annoying personally myself. Um, <laughs> but, but if you think about what it probably where it stems from was when you counting, you creating some kind of consistent rhythm. And your breath starts to follow that consistent rhythm. And when your breath feels rhythmic and consistent, your brain and your body start to feel safe. So whatever you need to do in that moment, just to really get your breath into a rhythm, whether that's counting sheep or counting numbers, counting your breath, using your affirmations, something to just create something which feels rhythmic. Mm. Um, at this stage, just to remind you that up at kindnesscan.co.za, uh, we've recorded some meditations there uh, that you're more than welcome to go and have a listen to if you need to get your breathing under control. Because we spoke about it earlier in the week, 
that we take our, our breathing for granted. It's just a given. But when you start actually focusing on it, um, I realized in the early days of this trauma that I actually wasn't breathing. I don't think I was breathing at all. It felt like a constant, you know, inhale, but I don't, wasn't very aware of the exhale. Uh, and that's yeah, got to catch you at some stage, right? Absolutely. If you can imagine uh, your breath like uh, drinking a cool drink. So when we take short, sh- uh, shallow breaths, imagine sucking through a straw. Okay. You, you're going to start to kind of choke yourself in a sense because you kind of take these little bursts of, of the drink up. Okay, and it gets all confused in your throat and, and in your lungs. But when you take even sips in, it's far easier to, to manage in, in, in those moments. So that, that nice, long, even breaths are so important. And filling the lungs up, filling your system up with refreshing, nurturing, clean air. Mm. I saw a comment this morning um, on Facebook from someone saying, I have never eaten more poorly in all my life. I know you've touched on it. Uh, but it's it's quite frustrating that in these times of trauma, I'm not scurrying around for a lettuce head. <laughs> Why? Why am I thinking that white bread at this stage of the game is a kind action for my body? But I'm going there and I'm looking at that bread and I'm thinking, I want you toasted with some butter. Stat. <laughs> well, I think it's both physiological and psychological. So your body right now, because it is feeling tired, is craving things that are sugary, that are going to boost your system, uh, hence the white bread, right? But we know for many of us, we have a relationship with certain foods which feel comforting, uh, which feel reassuring, um, whether that's chocolates uh, or or, you know, mom's home cooking, all the wrong things that she put into your favorite dish, right? So there's a, there's a physiological and a psychological uh, explanation for it at the moment. And, and I, I encourage all of you to, to, of course, try eat as healthy as you can, uh, staying away from those things that prop you up and spit you out really quickly. Um, but also at the same time, if you fall off a little bit, please hold yourself with compassion and care. Uh, you need all the love you can give yourself right now. Another thing that I think adds to the fatigue and the tiredness, someone brought it up yesterday, was I haven't patrolled. I haven't been out. I feel guilty for that. I feel helpless. So I think also some of the helplessness on seeing the events that have unfolded over the last week does leave us with feeling helpless in some which shape or form. And that also hangs around as residual stuff, even though it's a week later, uh, that kind of feels like it's stored, uh, like everything is stored one on top of each other. So it's the fear, the anticipation, the guilt, the shame, the judgment, the helplessness, the guilt, the shame. I mean, it's quite hard to get out of that cycle sometimes. Well, we know that guilt uh, is, is sometimes a response to, to trauma. And as, as emotions go, I would put guilt up there with, with one of the most exhausting emotions. It really, really is depleting. Um, it runs around our head like a hamster wheel and it gets us in, in our chest. And I, I want you to catch, imagine yourself catching that feeling and putting it in the palm of your hand and then having a conversation with it. I see you, I hear you, okay, but I've got to ask you, are you constructive in this moment? And the answer is more than likely going to be no, because me sitting here on this couch feeling guilty about stuff that has happened, okay, uh, or stuff that I can't do for, for legitimate reasons is not helping me and it's not helping the situation. But then ask that guilt an important question. What are you trying to tell me? Maybe you're trying to tell me that I want to participate uh, in creating a certain outcome. Uh, I, want to, 
I want to be part of the solution here. And then take that as your cue to start a conversation with yourself. Well, how can I help with where I am physically at? So, you know, in my house, we've been struggling with, with COVID through all of this. And, and that puts a whole practical parameter on what you can and what you can't do in a moment like this. So patrolling and getting out there is, is, is not on the cards, okay? Well, it certainly wasn't last week, but you can help by, by sending kind messages or you can help by showing up in these conversations today. So when that guilt gets me about not going out and patrolling, for example, I've got to catch it and have a chat with it. Yes, I hear you because you want to help but where have you already been helping or where can you help? We turn regret um, into wisdom. So I I hear you and now I'm going to turn it into something practical moving forward. I'm not going to let you sit here and just deplete all my energy. Mm. Another angle of the fatigue. um, And I know that the moms I've been chatting to, we feel like we've slipped into this paradigm shift where we used to have such clear um, rules and regulations around screen time, TV time. And all of a sudden, we've slipped into that space where we are so desperately trying to help where we can keep ourselves alive, keep food on the table, uh, keep moving from day to day, uh, that that screen time is taking up more time uh, and quite hard to get back into that rhythm of where we've worked so hard through a pandemic to get to. Honestly, if you knew the red tape and infrastructure that we had settled on as a family, but that all kind of just feels like it's fallen apart again. Yeah. So, and I think this this relationship with technology, uh, our relationship with technology, as both something which is incredibly useful as a way of staying connected, and we've seen the wonderfulness of that through this pandemic, uh, both for our kids' education, for our relationships, for our entertainment, uh, for accessing useful uh, information, but at the same time, how it kind of just pulls us in. Uh, And those addictive habits, tendencies that we knew were there kind of really get highlighted through all of this as well. We kind of just get pulled into it. Over the last two weeks, uh, Yen and I have been saying to to each other, I can't do any more TV. I just can't do any more TV. But yet we find ourselves there again. So I think over the next couple of weeks, uh, getting back into a healthier habit with our technology is going to be a readjustment for us. And I know as our kids, many of our kids go back onto to online learning. I think that that will actually help because that is their screen time. So you, the, the, your time on the screen is when you are engaging and learning. And like we would with a normal school day, when you click off at the end of the day, you only allowed your half an hour or your hour, whatever we've agreed to in our house, to, to use your devices for your entertainment and really, really trying to be strict with that. I know parents have got a lot going on at the moment. I know the adults in the room have a lot going on themselves. It's very easy to give our kids their uh, devices in those moments because it keeps them busy while we can regroup. And I get that and it's going to happen and that's okay. But as far as you can, trying to, to put the rules back in place and manage it. Well, I mean, it just sounds so contradictory. I mean, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I'm holding my phone. I'm like, guys, please get off your phone. And I'm holding my phone and I'm on my phone. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I just see, they're like, well, you're on your phone. And I'm like, well, I'm working. And hold on, why am I in a discussion with you about my phone? <laughs> I'm a 42-year-old grown woman. <laughs> Remember, we never negotiate with terrorists. Oh, um, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hold, there was a comment that came through here. 
Um, yeah, someone just making a comment about yeah not having access to food at the moment also throws a spanner into the works. And for many families at the moment, yeah, just kind of eating whatever you you have and can get your hands on. And I I hear that, uh, and and I don't think we're being insensitive uh, to to that reality. Uh, I, I really go back to what I said right at the beginning of this conversation. The overarching approach to anything through this experience is just trying to be compassionate and caring with yourself uh, at the moment. There's no time to be critical and, and judgmental. So I hear you. Uh, I hear how yeah, the luxury of fruit and veg right now can be hard for many families. Mm. As we conclude, let's go through um, a little uh, <clears throat> list of things. So I assume at the top of the list would be manage your expectations of yourself uh, by putting, I know we've heard it a lot through COVID and we're going to continue to hear it uh, as one step in front of the other, right? Absolutely. We can only uh, take this one day at a time and we can only cross certain bridges when, when we get to them. And I think that's all that we can do right now. And resting. I mean, it's so funny that as a kid, you'd fight rest. I remember it's time for an afternoon sleep. I said with my own kids, it's like, oh my gosh, you can't be serious. And then you get to adult land and it almost feels like such a luxury to go and lie down for half an hour and you fight it. Yeah. So it's a wonderful, you know, when I spent time in Japan, uh, it was just a wonderful cultural habit that in the, the place where I worked, that they had a room that had nothing in it except mattresses and pillows. And people would go there through the course of the day and have a little nap, <laughs> 20 minutes, half an hour. And it was such a wonderful cultural practice because it was so re-energizing and rejuvenating. And adults and kids did it alike. So I think sleep is very, very important. So as best as you can, trying to maintain a healthy sleep habit. Um, and then also, if it's possible, giving you and your kids, and you've got a role model, this. so something along the lines of we are all going at four o'clock to lie on our beds for half an hour. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to necessarily sleep, but you're going to lie on your bed. And the only thing that you can take with you is a book. And we're going to just lie there and take a rest uh, during this time. So sleep and rest are really, really important. I think, yeah, watching our diets um, can also be, be valuable. I'm hearing lots of people gravitating towards endless cups of, of, of coffee and, and tea. But yeah, caffeine really stimulates uh, for many of us in those sort of anxious type responses uh, inside of us. So have a have a, a glass of, of hot water instead. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to have a, a cup of hot water at all. <laughs> okay, so sleep, uh, water, nutrition, exercise, putting our phones down, healthy distractions. I and mean, then I love this note that you made at the bottom, Paulie, which is play gently with the kids. And I yeah. think that it can apply to ourselves as well as we keep navigating is just to go gently. Yeah, I think especially for younger uh, kids, yeah, play is their language. Uh, that's how they express themselves. That's how we can communicate messages to them. So with your younger kids in particular, engage in play that doesn't have to be complicated or overstimulating, just gentle play. You lying on the couch, putting some blocks out, uh, and you rolling over with your hand every now and then and moving a few blocks. So you're giving yourself a chance to rest. Uh, you're engaging them, you're observing them, and they also engaging in play, which is not overly stimulating. Uh, it's all just very 
reassuring. I think with your older kids, um, if you're not already having dinner uh, around the dinner table, start engaging in those kinds of practices again and turning off the TV, turning off the radio while you're doing it and really just having light, gentle conversations uh, with your kids. So not that sort of fueling them up kind of conversations. Mm. It's been wonderful spending time uh, as always. And just to remind you that uh, we now offer an online talk uh, for principals and staff um, as teachers get ready to go back to school. So for more information on that, uh, you can drop us an email info at kindnesscan.co.za or you can head along to www.kindnesscan.co.za. I look forward to these morning sessions. It's just so nice to feel yeah, a connection. Um, and I look forward to seeing everyone tomorrow at nine o'clock again. And we've got a very special guest on Friday morning, Karen Allen, uh, who was taking photographs from uh, all over our province, Monday, Tuesday, throughout the week. I believe he was uh, delivering food parcels with his camera yesterday. He's taken a photograph that's uh, gone viral. I don't know if you've seen it, Paul. I think I showed it to you. It's yeah. almost like um, an Iron Man type of character uh, walking along the rubble. Um, he's captured some really beautiful, beautiful images. And we really want to focus at the end of the week on the rebuilding and the hope. Um, and we're just going to get him to share a couple of stories from his experience on the ground. So we look forward to seeing you there as well. See you then. You've been listening to Kindness Can, the podcast. Find out more at kindnesscan.co.za.